my advice would be to figure out your why before you start your business and whatever it is, make sure it's outside of money because the why is gonna be what keeps you going. So if the money's not coming in, if you're new and you're not getting sales, figure out that list of why you're doing this, whether it be freedom to take your kid to school every day or be able to just go to Cheesecake Factory on a Monday and shop, that's literally my fantasy. Entrepreneurship is not the faint-hearted and it gets difficult, but knowing why you're doing it is gonna be what pushes you forward. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. We look at the different pillars of marketing, say running ads, user-generated content, organic marketing. We understand that each niche specializes and utilizes these pillars in different ways. What we talk about today with my guest, Ebony Hunter, is the advantages of clothing. No product markets itself quite like fashion, and today's episode is all about how to make the most of this distinct advantage. Ebony Hunter, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. Nice to meet you. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Nice to meet you too. I'm super excited to be here, so thank you for having me. It's a great honor to to talk to you. It's a great honor to really talk to anybody. And uh, I continue to be amazed at no matter how much I unearth about the e-commerce space, there's always another element to to bring to the table, another piece to uh, to add to the puzzle. And spoiler alert, today is going to be in the clothing niche, which, uh, okay, I, I, I before I was saying we didn't talk to anybody about it, but we did talk to somebody who's like in the fashion retail industry, but so kind of covered it, but we, we still have a long way to go. Uh, so with that, um, tell us what you do and what you're up to these days. All right. So like you said, my name is Ebony. I am from Florida. I currently live in the Orlando area. I'm an entrepreneur. So I currently own a women's clothing boutique called Evan Flow. I'm also a content creator, YouTuber. And from there, I have a million other things that I dabble in. But right now, my main focus is my boutique, which I launched last August. And things have been really crazy since then. So it's been a really exciting journey so far. Um, this is actually my second venture into the clothing world. Um, my first was a t-shirt line in 2017. And I stopped that venture and eventually came into my boutique and was pretty much planning on opening a boutique from that point until now. And when I hear uh, a boutique, I do immediately go to the thought of uh, a physical location. Uh, I don't know if you have a physical location at the moment. Are you strictly online? Is like is physical retail part of the overall plan at some point? Uh, it's online now. Yeah. Um, I go back and forth with if I want to have a physical location eventually. But right now, it's strictly online. I don't know if I want to be tied down to anything like that um, in the near future. But who knows what happens in five years? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, now is not like, it's not the ideal time to, to do it even under right. uh, it, it, normal circumstances are one thing, but the circumstances we're dealing with a whole, whole other story. Also, I just want you to know to anybody who's a Floridian uh, that I interview, super jealous. Uh, my, my <laughs> girlfriend and I, you know, we're, we're like, we're slowly trying to rev up for more like the nomadic lifestyle. And I mean, slowly uh, to the point where I might die before I pull it off. But Florida is like one of the places that we, we talk about wanting to go to because it's it's Canada right now and the weather has gotten nice. 
Um, but it lasts, it lasts for like a week and then we're, we're back to, uh, long johns and, uh, uh, and, and saying, no, don't double cup our Timmy's coffee. Half the, half the point is just our, the warming our hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what, what's, uh, what, what's one thing people don't uh, usually know about Florida, if you don't mind sharing, uh, something, uh, something interesting about it. And then we'll get into the clothing oh. stuff, I promise. But I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't been to I Florida love, since I, I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing people are surprised about is certain parts of Florida have a fall and a winter, um, more of a Florida version of that, but we do get cooler weather. Um, I'm in the Orlando area, so we do have cooler weather in the October, November timeframe. Um, but I'm actually from North Florida, Panama City, and it gets cold, maybe not like Canada cold, but <laughs> it definitely gets to the point where you need sweaters, maybe sometimes a coat. Um, sometimes there is a risk of snow there. So People are surprised to know that it's not sunny year round and not hot year round. Yeah. Well, because when, whenever people think of Florida, they think of that outgrowth from like the from the bottom side that's surrounded by water. But it also goes northwards into um, some of the, uh, the the mainland of, of the U.S. And and also for people who, who are just wondering, there's Canada weather and then there's Toronto weather. Toronto weather, like it's cold, but not cold enough that we're allowed to complain to anybody outside of Toronto. We have people who are just oh, like no. <laughs> five, five, five minutes north of Toronto and they're and, and, and they got like tri- triple layers and they're hunting uh, bears. And so we just have no oh, right wow. to complain outside the city. <laughs> I might I might ask you another Florida question. We'll we'll, 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 we'll circle oh, yeah, back I'm to ready. It. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll, I'll chamber it. I'm, I might bring it up later. Um, I'll see how long I can restrain myself. OK, <laughs> you can do this, Joseph. So you did. You, you, so you set up a, a previous store. And and I guess what I wanted to know is in in aggregate what was the e-commerce journey and like what did you what did you think you were going to be up to or was this always how you kind of saw things playing out and what were the I guess some of like the barriers or what you ran into with that store that uh, caused its closure? Sure. So I have always been a creative person and I've always kind of doodled and made little designs of everything. So naturally, I wanted to go into a t-shirt brand. So at the time, t-shirt graphic tees were very popular and like a lot of people were starting similar ventures. So I went into it without really knowing what all would go into not just owning a business, but also running a fashion business and doing e-commerce. So I was more so trying to rush to get it ready. My only reason for doing it was, yes, I was having fun doing it, but I wanted to make money. I was in a situation where I was like, I need money. I need to get my own place. I need to get a car, blah, blah, blah. And I always tell people now, like, don't ever go into something just for the money, because if the money doesn't come, you're not going to continue <laughs> on. And that business was really not strategic. I wasn't intentional with what I was doing. It was just like, just kind of going off, which granted at that time, they're really weren't too many people I could go to, to see who's done it before and how to do it and what I should be doing. So it was really more so uh, something that needed to happen for me to know what to carry into my boutique today. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with, the, with, with a lot of that. I mean, there are there's a lot of lessons that we learn from, you know, just jumping into it. More lessons learned than just sitting around wondering what it's going to be like uh, versus actually starting it up and understanding more in- intuitively, you know, what it's going to take. So I say, you know, I've been in e-commerce proper for uh, close to a year now, uh, thanks to my work with this company, but I've been taking cracks at it all my life. 
like trying to set up web comics, trying to set up uh, different uh, operations in here or there. And yeah, without like a solid plan or really a concrete strategy, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. So I, I totally agree with that. With your store right now, and, and again, for our audience, you know, is everybody who's listening to this going to set up a clothing store? I don't know. I don't I, I want to tell people how to live their life. But what we do want to do is understand as much as each niche as we possibly can. And so we have a, a clothing expert on the show today. So it's best to to capitalize on that. Okay, so we start broad, right? You have clothing, pets. You have the broad terms for uh, uh, for it, and we're and we're more specific than that in this case. So, how would you characterize uh, your niche? And given how well prevalent uh, clothing is in, in the market, um, you know, how do you differentiate with the clothing that you sell? So, my main thing when I went into Ebb and Flow was I wanted clothes that made people feel comfortable, but still weren't just sweatpants or just stretchy loungewear types of things, which granted it launched in the height of the pandemic. So a lot of people were looking for those things, but I know for myself, I'm curvy. So I always had a hard time finding clothes that didn't just look good on the mannequin, like putting them on, it looked, it didn't fit my body. So I put a lot of time and effort into finding things that do have some form of stretch where it's gonna naturally form to each person's body where it is now you don't want to I don't want people to buy my items and then say well I need to lose 10 pounds before I can wear this or I'm going to look good whenever I do this like I want them to wear it today and feel great in it and know they look good now so what sets it apart is it's not just going to look good on a certain body type it's meant to fit a range of body types with maybe you have a belly maybe you have bigger thighs maybe you don't have any of those things, I am offering things that are going to cover all of those body types. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a, a number of shirts that, you know, I wear anything. You know, someday I won't look like a, a hospital uh, patient in these, you know, <laughs> s- someday I'll, I'll grow into it. And then there's the other ones where I did grow into it. And now I look like, you know, like it's, the shirts are too tight and I can, you know, I barely have yeah. my, my, my mobility. <laughs> so, you know, I, and I was looking, um, uh, you know, at the website to, to understand it as intuitively as I could. And it didn't actually occur to me that much of the problems that you're solving is in the, is in the function and in the material of it, um, which gives way to style. Cause I think now I'm not the expert uh, on, on clothing, but I think style is usually the, the first thing that comes to people mind comes to mind. And then when they're looking for something that's functional, if it happens to be stylish, great, but people don't really yeah. care about that, right? You're just uh, talk, talking about loungewear and sweatpants and the, all the, um, the stereotypes that come with people who put on sweatpants and they go and they go shopping right. and stuff like that. We were, so I'm, I guess I'm like, I'm, I'm digging deeper into this. So the clothing itself is, you know, how's it, uh, how's it sourced? How's it vetted? Uh, I, I guess I take it you're doing a lot of uh, testing yourself, making sure that if it, you know, if it works for you, then it, it's, it's going to work for your market. Right. Yeah. So most of my clothing comes from vendors in LA, um, in the marketplace there. And yes, I test every single thing. Um, one thing that I've started doing is wearing something just out normally. So if I'm going to brunch or if I'm going to any kind of event, I just wear it. And then I post a picture of my story, kind of get the reactions from there. And then eventually they see, Oh, wow, this is like for her boutique. So it's definitely style based, but you anyone can sell clothes that look good. I want you to actually feel good in the items as well. So I make sure it's comfortable. I don't want anything that's going to be too constricting because I want people to be able to enjoy their life and have fun. If you're 
buying something for a vacation. I don't want you to feel like you can't enjoy your margarita Mm -hmm. on the beach (laughs) because the (laughs) item is uncomfortable. You can't wait to go home and put on sweatpants. So yeah, it's definitely a mix of both, a blend of style as well as functionality and comfort. Yeah, I mean, when when people are going on vacations, uh, uh, you know, myself included, a lot of people, they have like two weeks to you know to make a count and any little thing that can go wrong will uh, uh will, will significantly it, it takes people out of that mindset of relaxation and like uh you know I, I can i just go two weeks without having to solve any major problems i remember like la- like last time i i was going to go to um, my, my family took, took us to punta cana only time we ever like went to a resort or anything like that uh, i broke my mp3 player on the way over i was oh, devastated no. Because I, yeah. I just had this plan. I'm just going to lay back and listen to my tunes, and and that's it. And that was and I was broken. And yeah, that even that little thing had like a significant impact on it. Uh, so there's two things to, that I that I want to uh, branch off here, and both of them, I guess, in in the social area. So one of them is like, you know, what kind of uh, feedback that you're really getting from your customers, and how you're able to you know utilize it to continue uh, raising awareness uh, in like the user generated content realm. Um, sure. So most of my customers. Um, they will always say this was so comfortable. That's the one thing I always get. And another thing I always get is someone said I look good, or I got so many compliments in this, or this feels like I'm wearing nothing. (laughs) I love that one. So a lot of the people that do shop with me, it is, they are getting the benefits that I'm intending. So I do highlight on comfort. I highlight on stretch. I highlight on this fit me or this made me feel like I can walk into any room and just own it. So that's a lot of the feedback that I get. It's very positive. So it definitely helps me build more of my messaging and my subject lines have been on point from those <laughs> reviews. Yeah. Cause you have, you have unique advantages in, in the clothing space because Okay, let me just use for instance, if I'm if I purchase a cup of coffee and you get the the brand recognition of it, uh, uh, everybody knows which ones I'm thinking of. But I give them so much airtime, I'm not saying them out loud this time. (laughs) But you know, the brand recognition, people walking around with it, and unless they have a reusable cup, they might have a little bit longer. But for the most part, people they they drink it, they toss it away. Clothing, not so much. Clothing, people can have that on for for hours, and so it's constantly making an impact on people around the room and. Uh, and I and I, I guess I thought I was going to do this uh, later, but I'll just um, uh, tag it in now. You know uh, how you can get your 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 audience to really participate in promoting it. You know you have like a referral program. People see it, and and I don't think it's just the style. I think it also has a lot to do with the attitude that uh, the effect that it's really having on the person because they don't just see the clothing; they they see the person wearing it and the and the positive impact that it's having. Yeah, that's exactly right. So they do, we do have a referral program. Um, and interestingly enough, my audience really isn't motivated by discounts. So it's more like a, I'm just earning points for this thing and that's cool, but I genuinely want to shop here. So I've ran sales before and no one shops with the promo code. So I'm like, you know, you guys really just enjoy the items. So just really building off of that. And then I'm sorry, I forgot your question. <laughs> no worries. Just uh, overall, you know, um, getting getting the audience, uh, getting the customers to really participate in it, and just making each uh, customer count as an as an asset, and how they're able to, uh, you know, convey the the brand on a, on a personality level as well as just the the attractiveness of the clothing itself. Yeah. So they actually, um, 
I repost my customers, but I really came into this wanting everyone to feel like they weren't just a customer. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time with my packaging. Um, I write handwritten notes and just make people feel like they're shopping with a real person and not just a Target or Forever 21 because they could just easily go shop with them. So if you're choosing to shop with a smaller business, you're it's for whatever reason they have. But I really take a lot of time to make sure the customers feel like a person and <laughs> not just a number. So even the messaging is very relaxed and, hey, girl, are you shopping for this, this and that? Stuff like that to make it more personable than any other brand. So I think that, that, that that's always been one of the key advantages to having more of an up and coming brand because, um, you, you know, you, you reference Forever 21 and they got retail chains all over the place. You know, they have they have their massive uh, supply chain, their massive network. And, you know, the, the, the higher a brand scales, I think the more difficult it is to convey that person to person relationship for two reasons. One is because they have to sell to more people to even stay in business, which means that they end up condensing their customers into more of an avatar rather than you know, really looking at each individual. Uh, and then the second is that the bigger the company, the more BS it looks like their message is. Like, yeah, you know, we, we really care. Like, we're recording this right now. And, you know, there's all of a sudden, like, a lot of rainbows going around. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's helpful. Thank you, Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> and, and, people, and, yeah, some people take to it. Um, I've even taken to it in the past. But it also comes across as, yeah, okay, this is just like another marketing strategy. Thanks very much. I, can, I just, can I just buy my, my three-pack of underwear and go? So there's, yeah, a, exactly. there's a lot of challenges with that. And I'm wondering about how this um how this reflects on maybe like your your plan to scale um do you see a ideal um top of the mountain or at what level you think would be the optimal place for your business to operate or do you want world domination like what do you what do you want to do about it that's a great question i I worked hard on it (laughs) yeah i mean i do want the brand to grow and i want it to be a huge brand and scale into other entities. So men, kids, anything like that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want it to get to the point where it becomes a Target or a Walmart or H&M because of that personality that I have now. Not saying as I continue to grow, I will be able to respond to every single customer and write notes in every single package. But making sure I integrate certain practices with eventually hiring a team to make sure they respond to every comment or respond to every DM and maybe a team to write notes. I don't know, (laughs) but just thinking of the basic ideas that I'm using now and then eventually upgrading them into a, be able to serve a larger scale of people. Right. So and this is something that I would that I would imagine everybody uh, should take into account is like a, a lot of up and coming brands. They struggle with this. Um, it reminds me of this documentary I saw a number of years ago now about about beer. It was called Beer Wars. And, and they were and they were kind of having that same thing as like, if we continue to grow, are we going to lose? Uh, are we going to even lose the quality of the product? Are we going to be able to source the same amount of material? So, so people have, have, have a lot of these interesting challenges. And that's why I think boutique is such a fascinating uh, strategy as as well as a term is because it allows for there to be um, more control over the supply, but not control over the demand. Because if there's if the demand is 10x what it is now and the lineups are 10x longer, that's great. People love that. 
And so as long as, so I, I think that's my takeaway is that if I set up a boutique, it's because I'm always um, conscious of how much a supply there is and um, um, more isn't necessarily better. It's about maintaining what rules I've established early on and uh, just having a healthy um, approach to that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Don't, I work to not get so obsessed with the idea of, oh my gosh, I didn't put a letter in this person's package because you're not going to be able to if you have 50 orders you're not going to be able to sit and write because people just want the package you <laughs> know really the note's a nice touch but they really don't care about it but keeping those same principles in mind as I continue to grow and just thinking of how I can serve better and what's important to my customer is getting their packages and having nice quality items and great customer service versus the little tiny details that are super important to me that they may not even be noticing. Okay, well, I mean, on, on that note, um, have, you, have you collected any uh, data one way or another that um, supports or refutes um, committing time into, say, those, that level of communication? As far as the positives, I do get a lot of comments on the customer service um, and quick responses. Um, one thing that I do put a lot of time in, or I used to, that I don't get any comments on is the packaging itself outside of the little note. Um, they don't really care about the packaging, or the little, the color of the packaging, anything like that. It's more so they take a picture of the note and the item. So it's give and take of taking my emotions out of things because when you have your own business, it's your baby. You want to treat it like a baby. You do all these things, but you have to also think of the people. So this is a brand for the people, not for me. So what's important to them is not going to be the most important to me. So it's interesting to see what they actually point out to me later on after they do get their packages. I think so, some of it has to do with the frequency by which people receive packages. Like, uh, you know, every pretty much every other day, my, my girlfriend and I, we get a text message saying that a parcel has been dropped off in our locker. <laughs> and, and, and last week we received two notifications at once that we had two, uh, two parcels and it was like Christmas. So I, you know, yeah. I, I run downstairs, I enter in the code and then the first one opens up and nothing was in there. I was devastated. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It, it, it is. But then, you know, once, once it's out of the package, I, we have received so many boxes. Like, you know, we've, we've received so many, it, it, it starts to feel like it's the packaging that's more saturated than, uh, than, than, than the product itself. Um, so that's a, that's a, a hard, uh, um, a factor to this to really think about because we would want, um, you know, the packaging to, to, to be distinct and to really stand out. We would want um, to, to convey our, ourselves and make sure that people really understand what our idea is. And it can be hard to let that go. Um, so it really just comes down to like, okay, th these are the facts. This is what the, the data shows. This is what the customers are. And like disassociating myself from, you know, am I serving people or am I serving myself? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if anyone's listening, you might need to worry. Don't worry about the packaging. <laughs> Make it look good, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, I mean, with, with my store, the insert that I'm working on right now is is strictly utilitarian in that, you know, here's how to use the product correctly. If you don't use this correctly, then, you know, you should have yeah. read the thing. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. so, so, so there's, a, there's an element to that too. I think, I think for me, if I were to do that, you know, one side of the card would be like, you know, me conveying myself on a personal level. You know, here's my brand. Here's why I mean it. Flip it around. Okay, here's how you don't screw this up. Right, exactly. That's all they need.
Okay, so I, I wanted to get back to to talking about your uh, about how this works uh, on on the social media front. Um, and and again, so we talked about how you know the the customers can be and what is your preferred term for them? Because I know customers, uh, you, you don't exactly want to think of them like that, like patrons, yeah, fans. Yeah, I mean they are they are customers. I mean they're shopping. So yeah, <laughs> yeah customers okay, was, is a perfect term. Yeah, so we so yeah. We, so we, yeah we just go we just roll with it. Uh, so we know what the, what the customers are up to, but. Um, I also appreciate that this is something that, you know, you are are doing. And I think what's really key here for our audience to understand is this is something I would say um, naturally integrated into your own lifestyle. So it's yeah. not like you have to go out of your way to wear clothing uh, out, uh, outdoors or, or or anywhere for that matter. You, you All you have to do is you'll take a photo. Many people do this just you know, just for the sake of it, or even if they're not chasing clout, they just take photos of themselves because they just like it. So what I think is really keen about this on a strategic level is how it doesn't, it's not very uh, demanding of a person's energy because you don't have to like step out of your routine. You don't have to shift gears. This is just like a natural thing. So um, can you, can you, I guess, can you just tell us like how, uh, how it's set up? Like what's your, what's your flow for this? So uh, you take a photo, does it just uh, uh, go onto Instagram or how is it disseminated through it so that it's as valuable as an asset as it can be? Uh, yeah. So I actually, my background is in a lot of influencing. So I did a lot of content creation for brands. And with that, I was always, I've always been into fashion. So I've always been taking pictures of my outfits and that background helped me learn what people want so for the most part people would ask where'd you get that outfit and kind of carrying that over into my boutique so it's like you're looking at an influencer's profile in a sense so um usually it starts with something on my personal page <laughs> usually a boomerang or something on my story small and then from there i do photo shoots um with my tripod <laughs> and um, usually they're more of like lifestyle settings. So I've started going outside more and doing pictures by myself, um, videos and just getting those ideas from other brands I've seen and how they show a product and what's made me want to buy a product as a customer. So if it's something is stretchy, I like seeing the person actually stretch the item out on camera or twirl around and show me the back of it. Like, is it going to fit the way it looks from the front? <laughs> and so really making the photos be gathered for the aesthetic and all of that. But really, I want to show you the item. I want to show you how it flows. If it's something that flows really well, I want you to see the wind blowing and see kind of put the person in the lifestyle of whatever lifestyle they're living with that item on. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can only say it so many times before people should uh, understand how like little I know about you know, fashion and clothing and stuff like that. But you know, for the for the longest time, I would just think about you know, you see the images in the magazines, and it comes back to that that BS filter of like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure this didn't go through any other piece of software before it was taken to to the page. Right. So whereas when now when we're working on on social media, and you mentioned you know boomerangs and even story videos, seeing it in motion um, conveys a lot more legitimacy for you know how does this product function? How does it look in 360 degrees? Um, how does it look in context? You know, so yeah. just a, a brief snippet of somebody living their life, you know, you know t 10 yeah. seconds out of out of my out of my brunch, you know, turns into content for, for, for a lot of people and, and part of the marketing. Exactly. Yeah, I do a lot of in my product descriptions. I say a lot of you can wear this here and do this. And so I try to put myself in those situations 
in real life. So it's not like, oh, that's BS. Like she wouldn't wear that to brunch. No, I'm actually wearing it to brunch. <laughs> and you can see just because it makes you want to buy it. Like I want to see you actually enjoying the outfit. It's not just an outfit sometimes. Sometimes it's a mood. Sometimes it's a vibe and you want to carry that into whatever you're doing. Yeah, actually one clever idea I saw, um, and again, I haven't bought a new piece of clothing in like six years, but so maybe I should have looked at more stores to triangulate this theory. But one of the ways that you differentiated or you tagged it was like um, shopping by event or it's almost like shopping by purpose. Um, is that is that common in the in the clothing niche? Because I think this is a really clever idea. I've only seen it with, it's been very few brands that I've actually seen that with, but that's really what I was excited about having this brand for because I want to dress people for these different moments in their life. And ideally when someone's shopping nowadays, most cases they're looking for either a vacation outfit, birthday dress, when it's the holidays, New Year's, Christmas types of outfits. So really thinking of the customer standpoint, like I know my customer is busy. They want to get to the item quickly. They don't want to spend so much time browsing for something. So actually curating collections based on these different things they might be doing, I found has been very helpful for them. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't have a, a window open, so I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. But we're, we're talking about things like going to work, running errands, um, you know, meeting for uh, meeting for dinner, meeting for, for brunch stuff along those lines. What I think it does, too, is it I mean, it communicates a level of understanding to the customer about we know what your day to day life is. Uh, I think it also promotes a lifestyle, too. Like if I'm looking through this and I'm like, well, OK, I don't go for brunch that often, but. You know, this is it's it's in the back of my mind now. It's something to think about. So, uh, it, it it gets a lot of done. I just thought that was really uh, a smart take on it. I've made it an effort to like not get into the the woo woo stuff too often on the show. There's like there was like uh, you know er, early phase uh, economics. <clears throat> there was a while where I think I might have just like you know uh, made a made, there was made was like some ayahuasca in the water or something like that, and then I kind of like you know, trimmed it down, but I do want to talk about it because we haven't talked about it in a while and I, and I like bringing it up. So, um, manifestation, it, it comes true. It's hard to believe that, uh, it, because it's, it's, it's largely an act of faith, but it really does happen. So, uh, can you, can you share your manifestation experience with us? Yeah. So I love talking about this stuff too. So, <laughs> um, I actually started my spiritual journey in 2017 and meaning I started focusing more on not what I've always known, but just the whole scheme of everything. So even if something doesn't make sense, recognizing that it doesn't mean it's not real. So um, being more intentional with my thoughts and how I think about things and what I think is possible that can happen in my life, even if I don't see a million dollar home in front of me, knowing that just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not real. So I really started getting into those ideas in 2017. I was working in a job that was not my favorite in retail. And early mornings, I was doing shipments. So I would come in at five in the morning, unboxing things, merchandising, dressing mannequins, all that. So I started really listening to more podcasts and learning more about these ideas of the fact that you can think things into existence. If you're thinking... I want a new car. You're going to be placed in opportunities that will allow you to get the car. I'm not saying it just comes to you magically, but God is going to put things in place for you to be able to get achieve that. So since then, I've really been more intentional with that idea. And with Ebb and Flow, I um, 
like I said before, whenever my last, my first clothing business kind of went down, I knew I was going to start a boutique, but I didn't know anything outside of I want a boutique. So the name actually just randomly came to me. And the idea of what I wanted to do came to me when I was just out one night and I was like, oh my gosh, like these girls look so cute. And I could sell clothes like that. Like I could do this. They're buying things for events and I could do the same thing. So knowing that, having the faith that eventually I said, I want to have a boutique. Eventually I'm going to have a boutique. Just relax, enjoy your life, have fun and don't stress about it. So that's really the mindset that I took on with manifesting because the key in manifesting is just having the faith that's already happened. So don't stress about it and know that it's coming. Even if it comes five years later, it's still coming. So that's, that's really the, not to get too woo on your podcast, but that's really how I think about things at this point. Oh, you'd be surprised what, uh, what, what I've allowed in the past. Okay. (laughs) So to, to make it uh, tangible for, you know, our more, our more skeptical audience and, you know, just so, so, so my longtime audience understands is that I've uh, gone on a whole manifestation journey throughout this podcast. I think if anybody's listened to each episode individually, uh, they, they know what I mean. And setting an intention, a, a lot of that is also just the ability to program myself from the inside out to be committed to a task um, so absolutely that I believe that it's going to get done and and to and to trust that feeling in my gut um that 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 is going to come that is going to come true for me you know the, the last time i really like dug deep and like and focused um you know i ended up meeting the the love of my life and oh wow and 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 they and they and they come in it, it comes in different shapes and forms it's not always like a clear path like if i if i ask for a ferrari i might end up with a honda civic which is like okay you know what yeah. Okay, not to relate that to like the whole relationship thing. I'm not trying to draw a comparison there whatsoever. It's, uh, uh, it was really more like a, a Mustang versus Ferrari. But point being yeah. is that it, it it does come true, but it along the way it also provides a lesson about yeah. you know how what exactly do we desire and what is it that you know we really want uh, deep down and how honest uh, we're, we're being with ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just. It's really about being clear on, like you said, what you want, because a lot of us, at least I know when I first started getting into manifesting, I had no idea what I really wanted. I wasn't so specific to say what I wanted my life to look like. And I think that's the main thing is really goal setting and just being clear on your intentions so you know where you're going and not just kind of flailing out here. So I have a vision board that I look at every day and I mean, looking back on it, things have come true on it, but it's just for me keeping that clear tunnel vision on what it is that I actually want and not just saying, well, I want to be rich. Okay, well, how much money do I want to make? Because rich is different levels for everybody. Or I want to have freedom. Okay, well, what does freedom look like for you? So just really focusing on what it is that you actually want and not just a very basic idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I know what a vision board is, but... I, I don't like what what does your vision board look like exactly? So this is a tradition I started for myself for New Year's Eve. Um, I just get a poster board and basically some people will go into a magazine or go on the Internet and just Google images of what they want for that year. So in my case, I actually do a little mock up situation. <laughs> so if I want a thousand subscribers on YouTube, which I just hit, I Put, thank you. So I take a picture of my YouTube channel and I kind of scratch out whatever subscribers I had at the time and then put in a thousand. 
and just really visualizing what it's actually going to look like when I hit that and just kind of ingraining it. Your mind really doesn't know what's once you ingrain something, your mind doesn't know it's not. So, so it's up to you to just trust it, let it be. If your mind believe in it, just believe it and have that faith. But basically the vision board is just visual images of everything that you actually want. Just copy and paste it on. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be a digital thing. You can use Pinterest and make your own vision boards there, or it's all kinds of things you can do, but just really having the images of what it is you want laid out. Yeah, I that, that, that's a great idea. I actually was thinking about, yeah, Pinterest, that makes sense. I'm just doing like a digital collage, you know, throw something up, open it in, in Photoshop and and have that have that reference material. And, 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 and I guess for me, the bottom line on this is even if you you, you don't believe or you don't have a, a faith-based system. By the way, you're wrong about that. But if you, it's okay. Um, yeah. But even having like a very clear image in our mind of what it is that we're working towards um, is is it, is self-programming, and it really does make a make a significant difference. Yeah, it does. Even affirmations, listening to those in the morning, and just programming your mind to think positively and not focusing so much on the negative is the key to it all and having gratitude for what you have and not being so much in a feeling of want and need and just in I'm just being I'm just enjoying my life today and these things are things that I want and of course I want them to happen today but I know they're going to happen when they're meant to yeah yeah when the when when the universe has finished rendering it that's when, yeah, that's when it comes exactly yeah and, and I think and I think it's also a fantastic um lesson in about you know, getting what we want, you know, you, there's, there's only so many lessons a person can learn when they don't get what they want. Yeah. So once, once we actually do get the things that we intend for, it's a whole new, I mean, that's, it's a life-changing thing and it really starts to teach a person new things. So all of that, which is to say is, you know, you can envision success and it comes and, you know, you better be ready for it because it's, it, it is going to bring on its whole new set of challenges. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So, uh, we'll, we'll table the rest until I set up my, um, yeah, my my woo woo podcast. We'll we'll see when yeah. when that when that takes shape. Uh, so you said that you were doing uh, you were doing influencing work uh, prior to uh, running your own. I, I I guess I'd like to hear more about that because influencers are pretty important in the e commerce space. So like like you were con- contracted out, brands were reaching out to you, and was it was it you uh, you you know using your your persona and you know being on being on video, being on images? Yeah, I, I'd like to know more about how that worked. Yeah. So. Um... When I first started influencing, it was um, I was signed up with a few platforms that are like influencer agencies. Um, so brands can basically go through like a catalog of influencers that they want to work with or that embody their brand. Um, so I was work. I don't even remember what I was on back then, but I was on a few of those. So I would have certain brands reach out to me and say, hey, we found you on. Usually in most cases, they found me through Instagram, through hashtags. So we found you through this hashtag. We really like your style. And if you're on Instagram at all, you know, you get these comments from all these spam accounts. It's, it wasn't like that. It's usually an email from someone and they say, we're doing this kind of campaign. Um, we will be interested in working with you. And it just really blossomed from there. Um, like I said, I, I enjoy content creation. So it really was just me naturally taking pictures of things, even if I didn't work with the brand, just enjoying their product taking pictures, saying why I liked it. And the brand usually will reach out and say, hey, we really enjoyed that content you created for us. Can you do this? But we have these kind of guidelines and stipulations of things you can and cannot do. 
But yeah, that's what I did. That's what really brought me to this point of knowing how to create content and knowing um, what brands are really looking for. And then me as a brand knowing what I'm looking for when I start bringing on my own influencers. And so you said that you had signed up, it was like an, it was an agency that, that you were working with and they would reach out to you. See, that's interesting. So I, I would wonder if I'm a, if I'm, I'm me particularly not so much because I don't uh, post on my personal Instagram all that often. Um, but what I like about this is for people who are naturally extroverted in that way and they like to to promote themselves uh, on, on social media, you know, you sign up for one of these agencies and either they take you or they don't. It's not like I would yeah. have to like adjust my persona or anything to try to get uh, to get signed with them. It's just a matter of like this. These are my this, I like the idea of an agency actually looking at somebody and discerning what are their qualities. And so it's a way of even figuring out, you know, what assets have been available to me that maybe I didn't realize because, you know, I'm just just taking pretty pictures. Yeah. It's just really as an influencer, the most important thing is being you fully (laughs) don't try to be anyone else because the brand is looking for someone like you if they're choosing to work with you. So that that's what I like about it as well as just, embodying your true personality and if the brand fits and you fit the brand because I don't always say I wasn't always saying yes to everything um that's one thing that I took seriously because I knew I had a platform that people are actually coming to me and saying I tried this thing so I'm not gonna take on something that I don't believe in or that I'd never actually use or I don't actually like so just really knowing it's give and take knowing who you are and then also the brand knowing who they are and then knowing who you are <laughs> in turn. And, uh, and on the other side of that, did uh, working with them um, teach you anything about your personality that didn't occur to you prior? Yeah, some of them. Like I worked with a beauty brand um, and I really at the time wasn't super into makeup. I had bad acne and I was so self-conscious about my skin, but didn't realize how self-conscious I was until I started working with someone who they want you to take pictures of your skin and your makeup and all these things. So really getting into more into skincare at that point, because I'm like, okay, well, their products are actually helping my skin. And now I'm seeing like what I actually care about because I didn't really care so much about acne. Like I knew I had it and I just dealt with it and wasn't going to try. I've tried everything, whatever, but seeing that there's other things out there that can help and just really it helped me get into a self-care routine and that I didn't even know I could create for myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I don't really get acne on my face. Um, <clears throat> rest, rest of my body, not so lucky, but luckily I don't need to use that for when I'm, when I'm on camera. So, you know, th- thank, thank you body. We, I, yeah. I agree to this. <laughs> By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. I I can't say that I've ever thought about this before because I don't think about the, the influencer side too often, but... So you know you were you were saying that you know this this brand it um, it had helped the skincare products it had helped you out and and I think there's a lot of people in those situations where you know for one reason or another there's a hundred reasons why people don't want acne on their face I, I've yet to meet somebody who you know uh, prefers to have it on there uh, uh, God bless them if anybody's like that podcast at debutify.com let me know I'd love to uh, hear your point of view a lot of people uh, there's a disconnect between the problem and then the solution. 
And and that's where I think influencers can do a lot of positive, uh, a lot of good for, for culture in general is to reach out to the people that they're uniquely reaching out to that other people are not and convey solutions to those problems. So it's a way of networking, you know, the, the products, which is another way of saying the solutions to problems, networking those solutions to the people who are in need of them. So what I would say is if somebody has the means to be an influencer, it's a pretty like a low barrier for entry as far as I know. And I think a lot of people can end up doing a lot of good in that space. Um, Cause I don't know, I, I hear influencer and I always like, I, I go to like the, the negative side of it right away where they are a fake yeah. persona and they're just using it to market products. And that's unfortunate, but you know, influencers can actually yeah. do a lot of good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I rather shop with someone, a brand that I've seen the person and I relate to them. If you're following someone on Instagram, you, relate to them in some way in most cases you want their you want to see what they're up to you want to see their content so if i see you using this product and you're saying how great it is and i already trust you as a person i'm gonna be more likely to want to shop with the brand themselves because of that not not the brand saying well this helps with this and this helps with that i want to see someone actually saying this helped me with this and it's more of a relaxed tone like it feels like you're talking to a friend or a friend's talking to you and sharing something that they found was really great. Like any other friend would do in most cases, a friend has probably said, Hey, I just tried this. I want you to try it too. I think you'll like it. It's the same. It's really the same, but yeah, there is a negative connotation because some influencers are really, you can tell it. You can tell when it's not genuine. Last influencer question. Cause then I have some questions about uh, the function of your website, which is, did you, did you find that being, um, being natural? Well, came naturally to you or was it like a learning process and how to, it's it's such a it's such a paradox of a question like learning how yeah. to be natural, but uh, I, yeah. I hope you understand what I'm trying to get here. Yeah, I yeah I understand exactly what you're saying. So I was an only child. So funny, but not so funny thing about me as a kid is I used to like practice having radio shows <laughs> and like being interviewed for TV shows and things just for entertainment. Yeah, it's, I'm 31. I still do that. I just yeah, I I still do yeah. it. <laughs> So it really, at the time, I didn't realize how much it actually carried into me growing up. And I used to actually be very shy. So I'm still kind of shy, but not to the extent that I was. So um, I always tell people, if you're starting off wanting to share more about yourself, start interviewing yourself or narrating your life. If you're making coffee, okay, I'm about to pour the milk and do this. And that's really what primed me into what I'm able to do today. But yeah, it definitely takes practice to not be so nervous and be so and care so much about what others are going to think. Um, but yeah, just really talking to yourself is what primed me to be here. <laughs> Again, I, I never really thought about that. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was doing it because I'm, I'm always having like arguments in my mind. I have like I, I have like different avatars of depending on how difficult I want my arguments to be, because like there's certain yeah. people that I've talked to in the past that are unreasonable and are basically like thugs but it's really hard to argue with them. So if I want to go on like level four, I will argue with, with somebody who's like an unfair fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the best practice. <laughs> right on. All right. So, uh, so last thing we're going to do in the, in, in the, in the time that I've got left is, uh, I just wanted to run through some of the, um, uh, I guess practices or principles, rules, regulations, whatever you want to call them, um, in regards to your website, just so people understand, um, what, you know, what, what goes into it and some of the results that you've seen. So we, I, I I'm actually surprised over a hundred episodes, uh, done so far, and I have never talked to anybody about Afterpay, 
or like you know, oh, the yeah. pay as you go plans. I I don't know how it's gone this far. Like it's been almost a year. I, I I'm 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 impressed and disappointed. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, what's so we all know what it is, but what's been your take on it, and how is it uh, reflected? You know, the goods, the bads um, with your with your business. So my take on it is me as a consumer, I used to be afraid of any kind of paying for, um, mostly because I assumed, okay, well, they're going to run my credit and I have, I don't need that. So no learning that that's not the case and learning that you can actually pay in four installments. As long as you're paying on time, you have no stipulations at all. It made me more privy to have it on my site. So I think my customers see that as more of a trust factor since you do have to be approved to offer these different things on your on your website so when they see that okay afterpay is approved this person to use it i'm gonna trust it more um it's like a security thing they feel more secure because you have to pay through afterpay they're not paying through my website and i most of my customers use some kind of paying for service on my site even if it's something that's super low cost just because i think in people's minds, if they're going on a shopping spree or doing something, they see, okay, I'm only paying $20 for this $50 order today. And they see that as them saving money in some way, shape or form, which you are in a sense, but not at the same time. So that's my take on it. Um, definitely very positive. The negative would be the fees that you pay um, as a merchant. They are typically higher than what you would pay just using whatever your website's payment provider is, but the benefits are having more customers. And most of these different services have their own directory of stores. And most of my traffic actually comes from those. Oh, um, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. People like on the site, like I'm trying to, or on the app, usually trying to find a place to shop with and they will feature you on their directory. So that's always a bonus. So I don't see really any, any cons that would say, don't do it. That, that, that's massive. I never, I never realized that, yeah. you know, these, these services, they need people to make these purchases. And so it, uh, the onus is on them to be promoting, uh, these, these, these serve, these other websites, these other, um, uh, stores such as yourself. So yeah. when you said, when you said that, you know, it, it, it can, it can save money. It, it took me a moment to figure out exactly how, I mean, yeah, they're not paying the 20, the full $50 now, but they're paying it, it, it eventually where I think, I would argue for savings is if the product um, or the solution to the problem is a net gain sooner than later. Let's just say, for instance, I got a job interview and I and it's and it's, it's come on, Joseph, this is your job <laughs> and it's an expensive suit. Yeah, I might not have a grand to, to put down right away. Uh, Actually, I should probably buy a cheaper suit. But the point is, is that that suit will actually um, be much more useful right away rather than uh, later down the line when I no longer have the interview. So I can see a case there is if I get it sooner, then the inherent value is applied sooner. And that means my my productivity may increase. And therefore, I can save money by not being in a less gainful situation. Absolutely. Like paying $20 today and then another 20 in two weeks is definitely more sounds better to me than just doing the full amount. And it actually makes them want to shop more and make higher purchase values and shop with other businesses because they are in a sense saving money at that time. And so I guess if I'm, uh, what, what I would do then, and I'm, I'm sorry, and this is now a question that I would have really more ask, ask them, actually, I can make a note, uh, Micah, uh, as you're editing this, can you, uh, 
make a list and maybe we want to talk to the Afterpay people. Anyways, so I guess if I'm making purchases on them, I would have like an account on Afterpay. And so then I'm actually tracking like multiple purchases made in different places. So it's like I'm consolidating my my payments into one spot and then it's disseminated out. So at least that's that's my gut reaction. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly. I didn't even think about it that way. But yeah, it's definitely easy to keep track of everything because they have an app and it's going to tell you, hey, your payment's coming out in three days. And if you need to update your card, update your card and that's it. So yeah, it definitely helps you keep track in a sense of how much you're spending and what your shopping spree looks like. See, okay. So that's, that's my, my con and it's more like my worry, um, which ties into the, you know, the grander issue of even paying for things on a credit card is how it might, uh, condition somebody to, uh, change their lifestyle it's like, yeah, uh, yeah what's, what, there was a word for it. I saw it was like lifestyle creep, where if I'm now getting into the habit of like, you know, acquiring more expensive things sooner, because I can I can pay it off more slowly. If I if I start getting into that habit, you know, that I I'm, I, I worry that I can come crashing down. Like, like, I, I've been tempted to like do a payment program for like a new mattress. And, and I've never crossed, I've never crossed that threshold just because you know, it, it's, uh, it's such a big purchase. But the other thing too, is paying for it all at once is also uh, uh, kind of kind of a hard uh, pill to swallow. So I don't know. It's 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 an interesting concept, and it's definitely got it got its value. So uh, I, I would say, as, uh, you know, sellers, we for, for, especially for people looking to for any advantage to differentiate themselves in the market, um, a, a willingness to be on that program, I think, makes a uh, makes a difference. Have you been able to spot if like once people are making those purchases, do they ever? Um, get off that program and just buy things directly? Or for the most part, people start there, they kind of stay there? Sometimes. Um, I've noticed that customers will start off obviously paying just like they would on any other website. And then when they do try Afterpay, usually in most cases, it's their first time trying a pay and for service and they see how it actually works. And then from there, it's that's it. They're just using that. So most more than not, I see them using the service after they try it out. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can, I can see why. Okay, so here's the other one that I, that I thought was, uh, was sound tactically, which was your, your returns and exchange policy. So it, it got, you know, initially seeing it is um, returns are, are good for store credit. So yeah. the positive there is that, you know, once the money is invested into your business in that way, it's kept, even if it is you know, uh, recirculated, they have to get it back and they spend it again, back and forth, one way or another, like you've, you've gotten in your, uh, and the money is, is in your hands, which is good. Thumbs up to that. The, you know, the negative is that I, I can also see if it's prohibitive for some people, because um, especially in clothing, right? It's, it's a lot of, you know, try, it could be a lot of trial and error. Um, so how... It, was this the strategy from right, right right away or were you trying different methods first? And uh, yeah, I just, I, I think it's really important for people to figure out what do you do about your return? So uh, let us have it. Yeah. So when I launched my boutique, um, we were really in the height of the pandemic. So I wasn't taking any returns at all. And from there, I wasn't really getting so many people wanting to return. So it really wasn't an issue. Um, but as things started opening up and just knowing myself as a consumer, if I'm not able to return something, I don't want to shop there. Um, especially online shopping. I, this was my first take into a return policy. And so far I haven't had any issues, especially because most people want to return something because it doesn't fit 
they want a different size or they want to try something else. So um, just kind of knowing the return reasons and actually have a platform that sh- allows people to say why they're returning something um, has been super helpful in planning for if I decide to change this policy, like knowing the reasons why and knowing if this is the right fit or if it needs to be changed. So um, just thinking about other stores that have the same policy where they only give you a store credit, it's kind of building off of that, especially if they are places that my customer shops. That's where I really started. And we'll see at this point, this is very new. It's been in the works for about two or three months, but so far hasn't been any issues. So fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I mean, it also goes to show with um, what we talked about, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout the episode is, you know, seeing it in action, seeing, um, you know, uh, candid photos of it, having a very clear understanding of it and also the quality of the material too, right. Coming back from the beginning, you know, it's uh, by having a stretchier fabric and, uh, and having some element of, um, of utility to it. I, I, I think what happens in, in some cases and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I may receive something and it doesn't solve problems A through F, but if it solves problems A through C or A through D, all right, that's good enough. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not worth the, it's not worth the headache of trying to uh, going through the return and risking a visit to the post office. Right. Exactly. That's, that's what I feel most people's mindset is. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. like, you know, the more worried a person is about the return policy, the more worried they should be about the product in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So I really work hard to make sure there's descriptions, size charts. I don't really alter colors and things. So they look different just so people know exactly what they're going to get without trying it on. Awesome. All right. So uh, one, one for you, and then we can start uh, wrapping this one up. So this one had to do with, uh, if you remember earlier, what I was saying is that my understanding of a boutique is always about um, supply control. So so one of the things I noticed is that, you know, you have like two sections. There's an almost gone section and then a new arrival section. And what I was wondering is how much of that is in your hands? Is it like just based basically on the suppliers, on the whims of the suppliers? I think a lot of it maybe had to do with the fashion industry. So uh, how much of that do you actually get to get control over? Pretty much all of it. Okay, um, cool. My <laughs> the almost gone section is basically... Any items that are kind of just hanging on, there's one left. And in most cases, it's people that are size small (laughs) that I have left. And just humans thrive off of urgency. So knowing that something is about to be gone, and I really don't do too many restocks or I haven't at this point, because like you said, boutiques have a low supply. The idea is to have things that don't continue to come back because you don't want to look like everyone else and you don't want to sell like everyone else. So knowing, so the almost gone section is really just like completely just me really taking inventory and seeing, okay, what do I have that's literally about to be out of here? Um, And then new arrivals is just, just that new things, new styles that just came in. Yeah, like I've I've done done some uh, time in in the retail sector, mostly around watches. Uh, One store I worked at um, was watches, but there's also purses, so you can always tell which side of the story I really wanted to be more on. And I mean, I, I, I understood, you know, new styles need to come in, but I always thought there really should be like a, um, a, a collection of some go-tos, um, especially in, in, in the functional sense, like the one that I was wearing, it was a digital watch and I, and I loved it and I still have it to this day. It's, it's almost uh, 10 years old now and it's still working. And so like that one would always, to me would always been one that I would have had an easy time selling because the longer I have it, the more there's a story for it. Um, so is anything, uh, anything along, along those lines, like, are there, is there a core selection or is everything, um, well, you know, ebbing and flowing? 
when I first started, there really was like a core selection. Like I was always, I'm always going to have sets for the most part. Um, I'm always going to have, like you say, functional pieces, but for the most part is really no that this is for this, this is for that. It's more so this style would be great for this. Or if you're looking for something comfortable and stretchy, these types of items will be perfect for that, but never like a just straight go-to type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they all follow um, a similar rule set. So it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. That is, is the last question that I had prepped. Um, but just in case, was there anything else uh, cool, interesting about our, Oh, Okay, about the store, if there's anything else you, you want us to know. And then I actually wanted to ask you another Florida question. So um, okay. <laughs> one, one more chance, just to let us know anything else interesting about our store. You're welcome to let us know. And then um, I, I, there's something I personally really want to know about Florida. Oh, man. Um, no, just if you want to keep up with Ebb and Flow, you can follow us, shop Ebb and Flow on Instagram. If you want to see the behind the scenes, you can follow underscore Ebony Hunter on Instagram. And I'm always sharing tips for other business owners on my YouTube channel, as well as my life. So if that's what you're looking for, if you're interested in starting any kind of business, that's, that's where you can find me at. Well, I mean, and I would recommend the audience do that. Um, because like what I did today, um, yeah, and, and again, you know, I'm in the, um, you know, the working from home, home office niche. Um, so it's pretty far removed from clothing because technically I don't have to wear them most of the time, but even so there's still a lot of, um, of practices and regulations and rules that I think are really important to study. And so there's even just in this conversation today, there's stuff that I'm taking away from it that would apply into mine. So, uh, I, I expect my audience to, to do the same. And, uh, okay. So, so my girlfriend and I, um, both of us have some pretty significant vision issues. Uh, I'm, I'm blind in my left eye. So when I look through it, it's like I'm underwater and, and her vision is not much better. In fact, it might be marginally worse. So, you know, in order for us to, to drive, we would need a car with the steering wheel in the middle and both of us on like the driver's seat and the oh, passenger wow. seat, like working together to, yeah. to so, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I come from a driver family and a lot of my friends are drivers. Um, so there's always been a lot of pressure for us and, uh, I ignored that pressure and now I work remotely and all my groceries are, can be delivered, but I do go walking for them anyways. I was right. <laughs> but it's still something to think um, to think about. So, are there transit friendly uh, places in Florida? Like, are, like the bigger the city, the more transit friendly it is. Because here, here in Canada, um, as much as people um, uh, take a big uh, 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 take shots repeatedly at the Toronto transit system, it's actually quite good. Um, but I'm just wondering, uh, in 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 Florida, is there anything along those lines? I would say probably the Tampa area. Um, they definitely are very. They're more of a walkable type of city then I would say yeah okay then I would say Orlando um same with Miami it's a metro it Miami is like Florida's version of New York in my opinion um you do see subways and more buses and that sort of thing than you would see where I'm at so those would be my top the the, really the bigger the city the more you're going to see so Orlando is more like touristy they're assuming people are coming with their families and minivans and Camrys or whatever Drake said. <laughs> so <laughs> it's definitely like, I wouldn't say it's the most transit friendly type of city, but Tampa, um, Miami, and those types of areas, I, I would agree with, I would say they are. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, bre- like, I just put up Miami here, um, it being a coastal metropolis. Um, yeah. You know, here in Toronto, we're, 
it's we're coastal in the sense that we're next to a lake. It's not the same thing as okay. being next to <laughs> water, but there's but there's a parallel there that I think is worth looking into. So, uh, so, yeah. so thank you for that. And the the last thing that I can I, I can uh, uh, toss your way before we get you on out of here is well we already told the audience where to find you so that's cleared but then um, if there's any uh, words of wisdom or like a Chinese proverb you really like you're more than welcome to share it with us and then we'll let you go. My advice would be to figure out your why before you start your business and whatever it is make sure it's outside of money because the why is going to be what keeps you going. So if the money's not coming in, if you're new and you have, you're not getting sales, figure out that list of why you're doing this, whether it be freedom to take your kid to school every day or be able to just go to Cheesecake Factory on a Monday and shop. <laughs> That's literally my fantasy. <laughs> on just That's randomly. pretty good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, figure out your why outside of money before you start your business because entrepreneurship is not the faint hearted and it gets difficult, but knowing why you're doing it is going to what be what pushes you forward. And, uh, and once upon a time, my why was to get into public office and, um, uh, and legislate the purge so I can go clobber all the people that used to pick on oh me much, much better rule, much better wise than that. So that's the bar. Yeah. It's pretty low. I'm sure everybody could do better. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Um, well, Ebony, this has been a lot of fun. Um, uh, learned, learned a lot today, uh, a lot of the takeaways uh, from myself and I, I couldn't ask for anything better. So, uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. Awesome. Glad to hear. And to our audience, for those of you who are here for the first time, um, I trust your intuition and to the rest of you, you know what to do. So take care and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might've found this show on many number of platforms, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.